Welcome back to Halford and Brough, final hour of the show. Jamie Dodd, Israel Fair, filling in. Halford and Brough brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Also, by Campbell and Pound. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit campbell-pound.com. Today, we're live from the Kintech studio. Keep your Ask Us Anythings coming in and your What We Learn 650-650 to the Dunbar Lumber text line. But right now, joining us on the line, she is the VP of Marketing and Brand Development for Vancouver FC of the Canadian Premier League. Uh, and she joins us right now. She is Stephanie Wood. Stephanie, thank you for making time for us today. How are you? I am great, thank you, and thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. So it is the Women and Girls in Sport match coming up on August 6th for Vancouver FC. Tell us uh, and our listeners a little bit more about what this match is and and what people who attend can expect. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Um, So gates open at noon, 12.30, sorry, and kickoffs at 2 p.m. We wanted to make sure we had a platform with the Women's World Cup going on right now to showcase women in all sports, especially soccer, um, and give a platform to the grassroots community that we provide around the Langley Event Centre, Abbotsford, Surrey. And we've got a great panel of trailblazing women through sports, ranging from young athletes that have just come back from the North American Indigenous Games with medals. We've got ex-Canadian women's national team players for meet and greet. For, for everybody and um, we just want everyone to come have a great time and experience what it's like being a woman in the sports world that's highly male dominated yeah why was this because obviously you know you're always looking for ways to forge that connection and, and I do yeah. want to talk to you a little bit more about that process but specifically having this match focused on as you said women and girls in sport why was that important for Vancouver FC um And I mean, well, I think right now with the, like I said, with the Women's World Cup on, there's a huge platform. There's a great platform in our country. I say our country with me with an English accent sounds ridiculous, but I've been here long enough to call it that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And honestly, I feel more Canadian than I do English. I've followed the the Canadian team more than the Lionesses, but let's not tell them that. Um, But I think with that big platform at the minute, it's really important to show the young girls out there that they can be that they can do it but they they can also do it off the field there's my role for example there's other women in sports that have a key role and it's not just about being on the field and we wanted to support the women's national team like there it's a huge part of growing soccer within Canada and they've done incredible things to get where they are and we just wanted to make sure that the timing of our game aligned with that so people can really have, like I said, that full circle from grassroots to business to watching the women in the World Cup and coming all the way back around. And if they don't see themselves in it, they can see someone else in it and resonate with that. You know, as as, uh, as you mentioned, it's not just the on-the-field roles. It's more of the business side as as is as your role as VP of Marketing and Brand Development. We talked to uh, the, the Vancouver FC coach, Afsin Gopi, last week about kind of yeah. the on-field side of starting a new club, right? Starting from scratch, yeah. it's their inaugural season. What's that been like on the business side from your perspective? I don't think we've got long enough. <laughs> no, it's, it's been great. Like, honestly, it's... It's a challenge as the same same challenges on the field that we have off the field. You know, it's new. We're figuring out the lay of the land, what we have to work with, 
what's working in our communities. Um, I was with Pacific Football Club for three seasons over on the island and what works over there doesn't work here and vice versa. So it's been about really understanding our community and what they want. This isn't just about the sport and what's on the field. People are coming because they want a great game day environment. You know, they want to have fun. They want to sit in the stands and yes, they want to want to want, want to watch a winning team, but they also want to have those memories with the family. And that's something that we're really trying to build here. Season one was always going to be a difficult one. Like I said, mapping out, you know, where we are and who we are. Um, but we sent surveys out to everybody. When we started building this, there was myself and John Rogers, just the two of us. And we were like, right, we got to build this from something. Um, let's get our fans and our community and the people we're building this for to help us build it. And that's what we did. We asked everybody what they wanted and cheap, fun game day environment were the top things that came back. It wasn't about the actual sport on the field. And that's what we're really trying to emulate with the pricing, with the food and beverage options. And we work with the LEC really, really closely, the Langley Event Center, to be able to provide that to all our fans. And hopefully more fans can come that weren't really understanding the soccer um, land here and that they come to the games because it's an experience. When we talked to Afshin last week, it was obvious his excitement at the idea of starting from scratch and as you just mm -hmm. explained that was very much the same case for you uh, when you look long term and you have opportunities like the match this weekend to do some different stuff with the community um, to, to put your mark out there in a way that that really affects people and that 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 I can imagine is particularly rewarding what's what's the most exciting part of that for you or what's the thing that that you think could that, that you'll, you'll be most proud of if you're able to, to accomplish what you'd like to accomplish? Um, I think the, the biggest thing for me, and honestly, and the ownership and everybody that we've employed, we've, we've employed them for a reason, that they resonate and they understand the purpose of what we're trying to do. And when you stand on the field and you look up into the stands and you see everybody, it's the future generations that are there that are excited, the smiles on their faces, whether we win or lose, they're just excited to be part of something different that we haven't been able to provide to the Vancouver market before. And that's what we really, really want to do as a club is leave this landscape and this kind of genre <laughs> in a better place for the future. And we just, we just really... It's, it's important for me as a mum when I see the kids in the stands and the kids on the field with the players afterwards that we're doing something special here and that they can they have that touch point. It's not, you know, three miles away from the field and it feels that they haven't got a place here. Everyone's got a place at Vancouver Football Club. Again, it's the Women and Girls in Sport match coming up on August 6th. Stephanie, tell our listeners where they can get tickets and where they can learn more about, uh, about the match and about Vancouver FC. We would love to see everybody there. Um, you can grab tickets now at our website, which is vancouverfc.com. Uh, gates open at 12.30, kickoffs at 2 p.m. It's going to be a great game, and don't miss it.
<laughs> we appreciate all I can say. We appreciate the time. Thank you so much for doing this, Stephanie. No, thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me, and um, I hope we'll see you two there as well. Yes, I, we, I, we, Izzy and I both said we haven't made it out yet, but it's on our to-do list. So hopefully, well, hopefully this is soon. the one. All right, come and find me, dressing right. around somewhere. <laughs> Thank right. you, Stephanie. Thanks. Have a great, have a great rest of your day. Bye. That is Stephanie Wood. She's the VP of Marketing good sales and Brand Development for Vancouver FC. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it, it it is a fascinating part of, you know, as she said, I asked her, you know, what's it been like trying to jumpstart a team yeah. and in their inaugural season in a still pretty young league? And I can only imagine the challenges and everything that comes with that trying to start it from scratch and break through to kind of the the consciousness of the of the average fan here in the Vancouver market you don't have the old fallbacks I mean even even in this job there are things that after doing it for quite a while you know okay well we can just fall back on uh-huh. this because uh-huh. it works uh, well, they, I don't know they what, don't, I don't know what you're talking they about. don't have that because they are starting from scratch and yeah you can you can follow what other teams have done. You can take some of your experience from elsewhere. But in, in this particular case, it's a it's a pretty darn new experience. New stadium, a relatively new league. Uh, it's it's not like, you know, there's an expansion team in the NHL. Well, we can follow a lot of the promotions and the things that the successful teams in the league do. This is, yeah. uh, this is it's true. a very new venture. Uh, again, it is the uh, women and girls in sport match. Kickoff is at 2. The gates open at 1230. It's on August 6th, this Sunday. Uh, versus Valor FC out of Winnipeg. So another uh, Vancouver-Winnipeg matchup coming up, this time in the Canadian Premier League. Uh, and, of course, is at uh, the uh, Willoughby Community Park at the Langley Event Center. So you can check it out now, VancouverFC.com, to get tickets and more information. We are uh, just getting Mark Spector on the line, I believe. He'll be ready to go momentarily here and in fact he is right now he covers the Edmonton Oilers for Sportsnet our guy Mark Spector joins us Uh, Spec thanks for doing this how are you good Jamie how's it going man it's going very very well um a big big thrill for you that you're coming on the station and you don't have to talk to Drance so congratulations yeah (laughs) yeah yeah that's it I'm uh no no I like talking with Thomas Drance few uh guys in the business do I get to spar with so pointedly and then drink with so enjoyably afterwards so he's well, a good guy we just don't ever agree on anything that's all exactly yeah Drant, Drant, Drant has that issue with a lot of people funnily enough you you won't believe yeah, well. it <laughs> so we we wanted to get you on spec obviously some really interesting news out of Edmonton yesterday with the news that Jeff Jackson formerly Connor McDavid's agent joins the organi- organization as the CEO of hockey operations what was your immediate reaction to the news yesterday well i mean my i won't say my immediate reaction because usually your immediate reaction is wrong <laughs> but having che- having chewed on it for a while and thought it through and written a column that's up on sportsed.ca i mean i i think it's a, an exceptional move for the oilers this isn't you know what from the outside everyone looks at it like Oh boy, they've got McDavid's agent. Now he'll stay for sure. Uh, that's that's the facile way of looking at this thing. You know, this is an organization where their president was Bob Nicholson. He's seventy. He's ready to retire. Uh, their general manager Ken Holland is, I think, sixty-seven. Uh, and going into the last year of his deal, he's all but said he's ready to retire. So they need someone atop this organization going forward. And and Jeff Jackson is one of hockey's 
sharpest minds. He's a, uh, one of the, you know, an agent who's, who's got everyone's respect. He's done an exceptional job for his clients. He's obviously knows everything there is to know about contracts. Uh, and he's a smart guy that can negotiate all the deals that a president and CEO is supposed to negotiate. So, you know, I, I guess I'd ask you guys, can you think of a better hire out there in the hockey world right now than Jeff Jackson? I mean, in this context, I think it's it's impressive because while bringing him in doesn't put aside all of the questions about the front office future and, and you know, is Ken Holland going to stay on beyond the year of his contract and all of that, but it was – it was unlike it, it's it's just not the typical move that we're used to and that the Oilers got yeah. in front of it I think is is particularly interesting especially given the history in Edmonton where it's a lot of the traditional hires and people with a lot of yeah. specific experience this is this is outside the box and to me I look at the McDavid connections as as a bonus in this case yeah I, I think you got it dead on Israel I think you know this is the hire that that you know, I know there's a lot of people in Vancouver that still think Mike Gillis is the answer. Uh, this is to me, you know, we've watched Ken Hughes going to Montreal. Let's see how he does. We watched Bill Zito going mm-hmm. to Florida, done an awfully good job down there as an you know an agent moving over. So I agree with you. The Oilers are the team. You know, they they needed a GM. They hired Pete Chiarelli because he was the hot hockey man. Then they needed a GM. They hired Ken Holland because he was a hot hockey man. Who's and he's done a hell of a job here. Don't get me wrong. Uh, when they hire coaches, they hire ex, you know, they hire McClellan, they hire Tippett. Uh, now they're a team, you know, they, they groomed Woodcroft, right? They brought along their own guy. Now they're out hiring uh, in the field, and they're doing something that everyone else isn't doing. This is a change for, for an organization, you guys know this, that's been criticized for being all about the old boys club for so long out mm-hmm. here. Uh, now they're making a kind of hire that if someone else hired Jeff Jackson, all the Oilers fans would be saying, why aren't we doing that? Yeah. Well, and all the Oilers fans would be saying, uh-oh, is that where Connor McDavid is, is going to go when his contract uh, expires if Jeff Jackson was hired somewhere else? Now, one of the interesting things as you talk about, you know, the connections to the great Oilers teams of the past, I, I did note it uh, with interest that Paul Coffey's role in bringing Jeff Jackson to the organization was specifically mentioned in the press release from Edmonton. What is Coffey's role with the Oilers right now, and could he be in line to potentially see a bigger role uh, down the road now with Jeff Jackson in the fold? Um, you know what? I can't tell you. I know what he was doing in the past, uh, and he was basically in a consulting role. He was he was a guy that, that was around the team periodically, not all the time. What you got to know about Paul Coffey is he's – First of all, he's a really smart business guy. They just sold him and his partners just sold a waste management business for something like a billion dollars. So he doesn't need the work. <laughs> I would say to you, he's he's all right since he left hockey. He's been a really smart business guy at car dealerships. He, you know, some guys struggle with the transition after hockey, particularly some of the greats, right? Paul Coffey never struggled with the transition from hockey. He's made a hell of a lot more money as a post-hockey guy than as a pre-hockey guy. So what's he going to do? I don't know. I haven't spoken to him. I'm not positive. So I'm not going to sort of throw snow at you and tell you I'm an expert on this one. I'm not sure what his role here is going to be, but I know that he's very tight with owner Daryl Cates 
and uh, he did play a role in bringing Jeff Jackson on here. And let's see what else he plays a role in bringing to town. The immediate reaction did go to Connor McDavid's long-term future and if, if he's going to be, you know, a lifetime oiler. But there's, there's still quite a bit of time before we can really have that conversation. The Oilers are very much in cup or bust territory. Uh, the players themselves, McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl in particular, spoke to that after they were eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, bringing in Jeff Jackson in Ken Holland's last year here of his contract to be GM, do you imagine that that has any bearing on the, the team building decisions? It's not like they have a ton of cap room anyway to make major moves, but I, I can't see this appointment, at least for this season, having a, a major change on the way that they're going to approach the way that, the, that they're going into this season and, and trying to compete for the Stanley Cup. No, I, I think that the, this move will be met by the players with, you know, unanimous uh, assent. The, this is, you know, it's a smart hire. He's a smart guy. Jeff Jackson brings a bunch of things to the table that this organization hasn't had. So that's great. But here's keep Connor McDavid on your team. It's not about it's not about tricking him by bringing in his friends as the president or bringing in his buddies to play for him. I think you guys in in uh, in uh, Vancouver know something about a captain from Edmonton coming out there and and GMing the team and how that worked for you, <laughs> right? Oh yeah, not that good. Yeah, I think I don't think I need to reference that even. So here's how you keep Connor McDavid Edmonton: you build a team that wins Stanley Cups, right? All that Connor McDavid wants to do, there's nothing left for him. He's won his hearts. He wins the Art Ross every year. He's clearly the best player in the game by some margin. He wants to win cups. So what you have to do in Edmonton or in any city he's playing in, when the contract time comes, you have to be able to look him in the eye, and he has to look you in the eye and say, there's not a better place for me to go to win cups. He's not going to... Toronto because he grew up wearing Leafs jammies, right? He's not going to L.A. because he wants to sit in the sun when they're not playing hockey. That's not – Carter McDavid's not that guy. I know him a little bit. I know him from a hockey perspective. He's all about winning Stanley Cups. He doesn't ever get to play in the Olympics. He's been basically denied being a Team Canada player. The guy hasn't worn a Team Canada jersey since the World Juniors, if you can believe how wasteful that is. Uh, all that's there for this cat is to win Stanley Cups. And if you put a team around him and he looks at it and says, this is my best chance to win Cups, he's going to sign with you. That's what Edmonton is trying to do. And I would say to you that they've been pretty successful. I, I look at the Oilers and I look at Connor McDavid and I say, is there a place he's going to go in the league tomorrow and have a better shot at winning a Cup? I'm not sure there's a bunch of those places, is there? Well, I mean, it's such a t difficult conversation with the salary cap and his salary, right? Because, I mean, first you'd have to find a place that could fit in him. But you're right. I mean, we look at Edmonton now as a team that we expect to compete to come out of the West every year. And, I mean, and ultimately, that's kind of your first goal is just make, make sure they're going to be competitive every year. And I think Edmonton has cleared that bar. You know, for as much as we right. talk about the Connor McDavid free agency in the future, and it feels like we've been talking about it for years already, even though it doesn't happen still for three more seasons, there is the Leon Dreisaitl one, which is a year before Connor McDavid. He'll be eligible for an extension after this upcoming season. Is that going to be the first major test for the new CEO of hockey operations, Jeff Jackson, is how he navigates a potential Leon Dreisaitl extension, you know, in the in the not-too-distant future here. 
Yeah, that's fair. That's the next big one here, right? So, so you, you know, I'm going to say it started a long time ago. I'm going to say it started, you know, everyone says, why did they sign Darnell Nurse for so much money? Well, at the moment that they were signing him, of course, Zach Rowenski was signing for that money and Seth Jones was signing for that money. And yeah, would you like Darnell Nurse about a million and a half less? Yes, you would. I'm not here to tell you that's not true. But one of the reasons that Darnell Nurse signs here for seven years is he's a huge part of this thing. He's part of the core. He's a, he's a rock-solid uh, dressing room person. He's a very good player. Is he as good as nine and a quarter million? We can have that conversation. But that was the foundation of we're going to keep our core guys here. Him and Connor McDavid are exceptionally close off the ice. So that starts there. Now you sign Zach Hyman. Right to a, uh, I think it was a six-year deal. Um, really solid person, awesome player, very good player. Played for my team every day. Now you sign Ryan Nugent Hopkins, part of the core. He signs long term, so we're getting there. Right, we're building a core that McDavid's looking at and saying, "I like these guys as players, and I like these guys as people." Now it's Drysaddle's turn. You know, second best player, some would say, in the National Hockey League, certainly top three or four. Uh, you know, it's going to be hard to fit these guys under the cap, but if you're Leon Dreisaitl, you know, you're going to talk to McDavid and you're going to say, hey, I'm ready to sign here if you're ready to sign here next year. And I think that's going to be the sort of the canary in the coal mine. Mm. If Dreisaitl signs here, and I, I expect he will, uh, that means that McDavid's here for the long haul. If for some reason Dreisaitl goes elsewhere, and I can't see it, but if it happens, well, then the spec- let the speculation begin. Sure. Uh, Spec, always appreciate the time, man. Thanks for doing this. Uh, we'll, we'll let you enjoy your weekend, and we'll get you on to spar with Drancer uh, in the fall when, when training camp and all that rolls around. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like actual work, so that means it has to happen after the Labor Day That's long right. Weekend. That's right. Absolutely, Spec. <laughs> all right, we appreciate it. Have a great weekend. All right, boys, you too. That Thanks, is Spec. Mark Spector covering the Oilers uh, for Sportsnet, weighing in on uh, – the very interesting news, and I do think he makes a very fair point that, of course, it's when it's Connor McDavid's agent, that's where everyone's going to jump to first. But it is part of a trend of hiring agents. And this Jeff Jackson specifically, he has hockey operations experience but prior to being an agent. So it's a really good point that if you if any other team made this hire, we'd probably look at it and say, oh, that's a really interesting forward thinking hire. It just so happens that the conversation was dominated by the McDavid angle for for very obvious and fair reasons. Absolutely. And the thing is, Connor McDavid is the obviously the leading candidate and and maybe the only person in hockey where it's even worth it. Like it makes sense. Right. Do whatever you can to yeah. keep this guy. And it's not like they just went and hired his dad. They hired someone no, with someone tons who's of experience. Actually qualified to do and the job. Happens to have that relationship with Connor McDavid. Yes. So it is kind of a no brainer from the Oilers organization, right? Like, yeah, hey, we we got a smart hockey guy who's maybe forward thinking, has a lot of. I'm different just impressed they got ahead on it. Yeah, because we were very much and like there there will still be questions about the future of the GM and what that looks like and what the structure looks like, but having someone come in at the top. And like it's entirely possible that Jeff Jackson, Ken Holland's contract expires next year. And maybe he says, I, I want to be the GM. I want to make mm-hmm. decisions. I don't know that. I have no, no he idea. Pulls, he pulls a Kyle Dubas. He, he could. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to look for a GM. Hey, I found He'd one. have less it's experience me. than Dubas doing it's it, me. obviously, but that's not impossible. 
It's just that now, instead of having that conversation of, okay, is Ken Holland going to stay? And as, as Speck said, Bob Nicholson's in his 70s. What that's yeah. going to look like? No, now you have brought in someone. And yes, we can sit here and make the jokes about, oh, it's just simply to play K. Connor McDavid. Well, now there's at least someone that's making the decisions of what that's going to look like, as opposed to having uh, a bit I mean, of a gap up in the there. air. Yeah, yeah just a, the gap. Power of vacuum how much is of. Ken Holland going to be empowered? Like mm-hmm. they, they got ahead on it, and I'm I'm particularly impressed by that. Um, we're gonna take a break here. We'll do what we learned and a whole bunch of ask us anything's coming up on the other side. <laughs> just a a bonus. What we learned for me from that interview of Spec is apparently Paul Coffey sold a waste management business for a billion dollars. That was that was a big revelation. I do I did know that he he owns like a car he owns a car dealership in Southern Ontario. That's but I didn't pretty, know about the, the car dealership. Uh, I didn't know about the, the waste ex, management. The ex athlete car ownership, that's pretty typical. Yeah, that's that's the pipeline. Selling a waste management business for a billion dollars. I was like, excuse me? Well done, Paul Coffey. I'm surprised he didn't buy the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, seriously. Just buy a team, buddy. That's incredible. Uh, all right, final segment of the show. Final segment of the week coming up here on Halford & Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Welcome to Kelowna, California. West Coast. Coast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kelowna, baby. Best place in the world right here. <laughs> Kelowna, California. You know what that means. It is the final segment of the week here on Halbro. Know what we learned, Jingle, because it, it gets superseded by Colonifornia. So you're either devastated or over the moon that you're not being subjected to the Couple what we texts, learned, Jingle. A couple texts Yeah, we saw some that, they that were, were not thrilled. They, they would be happy about this. To miss. To miss the what we learned. Someone jingle. asked for a, a warning. <laughs> the text was, if you're going to play the Jingle again, please warn me. Well, we didn't well, play, we didn't it, play it, so no need to warn you. Uh, there you go. Uh, it is Halford & Bruff, final segment of the show here on a Friday. Halford & Bruff brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. This hour of Halford & Bruff is brought to you by Campbell & Pound. Real estate appraisers trust, trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio. And what we learned is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit getfireplan.com. Oh, my God! We're having a fire plan! Shout out to Ben. I wasn't sure if you were going to have it ready. I kind of sprung it on you there, but you were good to go. I love that drop. <laughs> it's my favorite one at the studio. It's I a think. good drop. It is uh, It is good work. And Halford laughs every time. He's been hearing it for months, and every time he just starts laughing in the studio. I got to say, Laddie and A-Dog, they got a lot of time on their hands back there, and they, they use it productively. They cook up some good stuff uh, in the control room. Now, that's what we learned, but I got to say, as typically happens, the show overwhelmed with Ask Us Anything. Lots of questions. Submissions. So this is going to be more of an Ask Us Anything final uh, segment here. We'll start with our guy. He says, Mike, the urologist uh, from Brockville, who says, Ask Us Anything, what's the worst part of covering for Halford and Bruff? Uh, options, the text inbox, waking up early, the complete lack of any sports news right now, or other. 
I got to say, it, it it sounds cliche, but it is waking up early. Because the grumpiness in the text message inbox, and there's always people who are like, oh, I'm not going to listen until you guys are gone, or until Halbro are back. And whatever. That comes with the territory. People like their show. I got to say, I remember, like, I used to watch PTI every day. Me too. After high school. And yeah, if it wasn't Tony and Mike, I was like, ah, that's a little disappointing. So I get it. I get being disappointed that there's fill-ins on on your favorite show. I don't have a problem with that. That comes with the territory. The summer sports calendar, again, it is what it is. It's the getting up early. It's not great. It's not fun. Going to bed early, not great. Feeling exhausted for the rest of the day. I mean, I like being done <laughs> at nine, but when that alarm comes around every morning, it's uh, it's not great. So yeah, that, yeah. that's the e- easy easily. For me. The text box, I'll be, I'll be honest, we've had... Uh, Pretty, pretty. We've had it pretty good the last couple. Of Xbox weeks. mostly the vast majority of texts, and we've even, had pretty good sports news. Yeah, and even if they're chirping you or whatever, you can usually like go back and forth and get into it. You know what I mean? It's not it, at the end of the day, it's sports radio. Yes, I think the it's highlight not, it's was not serious um, business. Your here. lack of financial wizardry in a in a soccer Canada conversation <laughs> where. Yeah, one texter was was going at your yeah. your lack of knowledge and the finances. finance. I I understand it. it's bad to be broke. It's bad to be broke as a business. I understand that. Not a finance expert, but uh, that I can tell you for sure. Cole in Calgary says, ask us anything. I'm ready to trade in summer weather for NHL hockey and wall-to-wall Canucks coverage. What are you guys looking forward to after summer ends? That's a good one from Cole in Calgary. I think an easy answer is weather changing, right? I, I'll, I like the warm weather, the sun, obviously, and... You know, in November, I'm sure I'll be whining and complaining about the constant rain. But it is nice when it gets a little cooler, a little more variety to the weather after summer comes September, for sure. I mean, this yeah, hockey season, with I associate with the changing weather. Yeah. That's, yeah. And uh, October baseball, for me. Um, this one comes in. Uh, sorry, I just got distracted here because Rager says, uh, Izzy, we need to get Jamie's James Bond take. Bick is the floor. So we need Bick to has see terrible okay, where James Jamie Bond takes. Bick has terrible movie takes kind of in general. He has so some what good is, ones. What is Bick's B- James Bond take? I don't want to pollute the pool here. I want to oh, I want to hear so, yours first. So put it, well, what like just James Bond, yay or nay? What's the question? What's James th- Bond, yes or no? Is there a particular Bond that you like? Uh, uh, Actor-wise, do you like a movie? I would say overall, like, there's a lot of goofy movies, but the generally just taking the series as a whole, I enjoy the James okay. Bond movies. You have a Daniel favorite? Craig was good. Okay. I, so Bick hates Daniel Craig. Okay, no, that's ridiculous. Daniel Craig was very good in the role. He was very good in the role. How can you hate Daniel Craig? He was great. It's Bick. That's a brutal take. He he was updating the spreadsheet of top bonds. He had bond. He had Daniel Craig last. He, he made a thirty minute poker game in a he movie. Had, very entertaining. Ten. He had Daniel Craig last. Yeah, that is a he, wild so he, take. He goes uh, Connery, and then he has a soft spot for Pierce Brosnan because that was the bond. Sure, when he that was he grew up and I mean growing that, up with that. Like I would, I can see the argument for putting Sean Connery first, and then I would probably have Brosnan and. Daniel Craig, two, three, in some order, for similar reasons. But putting Daniel Craig last is just absolutely like, like I'm not a big Roger Moore guy. I know that's the other. Those are the really goofy ones. That's the other typical guy who got mentioned as you know the next best one after Sean Connery. But it doesn't doesn't work for me. I'm not a big Roger Moore one, so he would probably be near uh, the list. The other near the bottom of the list. The other guys are kind of anonymous well, you know, yeah, one or two movies. lazenby did one dalton yeah. did two yeah exactly so they did, they i just barely... i've always I, I think that daniel craig's done the two best movies yeah casino royale and skyfall 
I think the Connery over the course of his run has the most consistency, mm-hmm. especially the first three. The first mm-hmm. three really string together well. Dr. No, From Russia With Love, and Goldfinger. So that's that's where I'm at. But yes, the, the this was a this is a, a few years ago, but we we really went after it. This this was tough. And I mean, follow up text. Dummy probably watched it at one and a half speed. That's a big that's a public big take that he watches movies at one and a half speed. That is wild. That's like it's not the thing with watching a movie is it's not it's not like a productivity thing. It's you're doing it for the experience, for the enjoyment, to live in the moment and have fun with it. You're not doing it so you can check a box and say, oh, hey, I watched that movie. Like, I get, hey, if you're listening to a podcast and you're trying to get that, you're just trying to get the information, I can understand, hey, I'm busy, I want to get this in on my commute, I want to finish it, whatever, I'll, I'll crank up the speed a little bit. Watching a movie at one and a half speed is true sicko behavior. One of the many. Uh, agreed. One of the many true sicko traits from our guy, <laughs> Vic Nazar. Yeah, that's correct. Just finding the cubicle on the ferry and cranking up, you know, the godfather to one and a half speeds. Ridiculous. Because I, I gave him a bunch of movies to watch at one point and he ripped through them really fast in the, and not even just over the course of like a week or two weeks. He was like, all right, I'm going to watch this one now. And then I would go about my day and he would say that he had finished the movie in a time period that didn't make 45 minutes later. He's like, yeah, yeah. I watched Lawrence of Arabia. And and it was like, (laughs) I told you, you said you started at 90 minutes ago. That movie is almost four hours long. And that's when the reveal of, yeah, one and a half speed. Can't watch Lawrence Arabia one no. and a half speed, bro. No, the slowness is part of it. You need to. You need to. Uh, it needs room to breathe. Ridiculous. Um, I'm glad we got these shots in. Absolutely. What I mean. What else? What else are we gonna do? Uh, Chef Swagger from Hell's Kitchen. Ask us anything. What's your go-to karaoke song and why? I love karaoke. I'm a terrible singer, but I really enjoy karaoke. I love subjecting everyone else. Uh, to my truly terrible singing. My go-to song is uh, Say It Ain't So by Weezer. Mostly just because there's some good yelling parts in it. And, you know, I need I need a yelling part. I, I'm melodic where you really have to, like, put the work in to carry a tune. That's not going to work for me. I need it to be all about the emotion in my karaoke song. So Say It Ain't So by Weezer. I'm my not go-to. a karaoke guy. I can't sing. I've never done it. But I have had been asked this question before. And I, if I had to do it, I would do... Uh, the the Tom Petty song "Don't Back I Won't Back Down." All right, sure. because there's it's it's mostly reading, <laughs> and I I know the lyrics. I think I could I could sell it. It's my- I, I, you know if I really was if I was in the sauce maybe there would be some lose yourself or something like that you know. It's got to be a song that everyone get the rap game going. Oh, lose yourself is a great answer. I would. That's my new goal now is to get you to a karaoke <laughs> situation and get you to I could perform. Do that one. Lose yourself. I could do that one without the lyrics. I'm of, I'm of a particular vintage. You are indeed. That is absolutely fantastic. Just a young Izzy at the. I went uh, as at, M&M, at the Lynn Valley uh, for, McDonald's for Halloween before. <laughs> rap battling outside the Lynn Valley. So one of my better Halloween costumes. Had a Detroit Tigers toque. Sweats. Are there are there pictures of this? Yeah, amazing. Yeah, I'll pull them up for you. After Absolutely the show. incredible. Uh, Brian in Oshawa says, "What is your favorite Tarantino movie?" We're, we're that's uh, another big we're, debate. We're getting Bix dangerously says Tarantino close. Stinks. Getting dangerously close to uh, taking over this this show of movie conversation, which some people hate. But Brian in Oshawa says, "What's your favorite Tarantino movie and why?" My favorite is Pulp Fiction. 
it's an easy one. It is Pulp Fiction for me. Like, Pulp Fiction is one of my favorite movies ever made. I think it's a phenomenal movie. It's so entertaining, so watchable, so smart. The way it's constructed, everything. It's, again, one of my favorite movies. I like a lot of other Tarantino movies. I, I really like Inglorious That's Bastards. That's my favorite. That, that would probably be number two Jan- for me. Django. I like Django. I really like Jackie Brown. Jackie uh, Brown, I think, is underrated. Very underrated. But it's a really good movie. But it's a it's an easy. You kind of have De Niro and Jackie Brown energy. <laughs> Do I really? I don't know what to make of that. <laughs> I know it's it's bastards for me. I think it's it's an incredible movie, and I love Tarantino's very inspired by the Sergio Leone spaghetti mm-hmm. westerns. I think mm-hmm. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly is is an awesome movie, and he basically takes that kind of idea and made it a World War II movie. Incredible, it's a great incredible movie. performances. Uh, that's that's my favorite. I have Pulp Fiction in my top three, though. And I, I also say, I really liked Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I, I, I enjoyed it as well. I will say, I mean, obviously, I wasn't. <laughs> I was eight years old when Pulp Fiction came out, so I wasn't going to see it in the theaters. But I clearly I remember vividly watching Inglorious Bastards in the move in the theater and walking. Cool experience. Like, wow, sure. that was amazing. That was awesome. So yeah, it's no slight whatsoever if you have that number one. But uh, I'll take Pulp Fiction. So he's just Bix just out. On Tarantino. He had this whole argument that Guy Ritchie oh. Oh, yeah, you is a this more up with impactful oh, yeah. director than Tarantino. That's ridiculous. Because Bick likes Lockstock and Snatch. And I enjoy Lockstock and Snatch, but when when you look at the full filmography. If you want okay, so this is a that's just a classic. You're taking what could be a fine argument and pushing it to the limits of being ridiculous. If you look, art is subjective. Movies are subjective. If you want to say you like Guy Ritchie movies more than Quentin Tarantino movies, that's fine. That's your right. Everyone has a right to choose what they enjoy. If you're arguing that Guy Ritchie is more influential, more impactful on movies as a whole than Quentin Tarantino. That's absurd. Guy Ritchie, his career exists because of Quentin Tarantino. He's a direct follower he of just Quentin put Tarantino. a British spin on it. Quentin Tarantino, yes, he's he's like, hey, I'll do this, but in Britain with English accents. That's what Guy Ritchie is. Yeah, and the humor is a little bit different. I and I enjoy those two movies a lot. If you look at the rash of copycats that came out in the '90s after Pulp Fiction, it is overwhelming, and the way. The dialogue, right? The the a lot of the stylistic ticks that Tarantino introduced were copied and aped and still are to this day. The idea that Guy Ritchie more influential than Quentin Tarantino just simply ridiculous. It's actually worse than the James Bond. It is. It's actually much worse. Because at least the, the James Bond one is subjective. Yeah. Right? And it's stupid, but it's just subjective. <laughs> it's like, okay, whatever. You like a weird thing. The other one is just the, the Tarantino one is just flat out wrong. Incorrect. From our guy, Bick Nazar, who has somebody text in. Bick is weird. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's fair enough. Um, 6.50, 6.50. It is Ask Us Anything Friday here on the show. Uh, there was one earlier. Oh, yeah, from Tyler here. If a blanket could only cover half of your body, do you cover waist down or do you cover your upper half? I think this is an easy one. It's waist down. I don't know, it'd be weird to have blanket all the way up to your shoulders, but then only down to your well, waist and, and your uh, legs dangling the, the out the factor, end. The, 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 how clothed? How clothed are you in this scenario? <laughs> that's a fair question. Because if if you're not clothed, then the answer is obvious. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. If you're wearing shorts and a hoodie, the answer is no. Less but you're obvious. lying down. Do you wear shorts and a hoodie to bed? Do you wear a hoodie oh, to bed? No. Oh, this is in bed. In bed, a blanket. Yeah. 
What were you thinking was? Uh, you can oh, have I a blanket on the like, couch on the watching couch. TV. Yeah. yeah. I still think the answer's waist down. No matter what's going yeah. on. Yeah. I, that's that's bizarre. I never would have gone. You hear a blanket covering your body, you immediately think of sleep and not lying down on the couch. Really? Yes. I don't know. I thought I thought about it on a couch. The, what? You sleep that's... with a blanket? You're a grown man. <laughs> Wait. This isn't like a like a comforter. A comforter. No, no, no. This is a blanket. But like you yeah. colloquially refer to them as a blanket. You do? Yes, absolutely. No. No. Oh, come Sheets, on. Sheets, comforter, yeah. duvet, duvet. Yeah. A blanket is I'm I'm watching I'm watching on the couch. Lawrence of Arabia at one and a half speed. <laughs> I don't know. I just I to me blanket is like a umbrella term that encompasses quilts, comforters, all of these different things. A comforter is a blanket. I disagree. Now I'm I'm shook. Now have I been have I been calling things the we, wrong name? We did whole... get we get did get a text about uh, calling the remote a converter. Yeah, which I've heard, but I've never used. I've that converter. Yeah, I've heard, I think, and the texture said I think it was Mike. They were all just from Rockville. Yes. It might be an Ontario thing, and I do think it is. It's I've never heard anyone. So you don't wear up. a bunny hug to sleep? I don't wear a bunny hug to sleep. No. That's a Saskatchewan thing. It is. Uh, very, very Saskatchewan. Yeah. I've never heard anyone in BC call it a converter. No, yeah. It's a remote. Or a controller. Yeah, the remote control is what you would call yeah. it. I've never called it just the controller. I would only ever call it the remote. The thing. The, th- the doohickey. <laughs> the blanket, apparently. Where's the thing for the TV? Where's the blanket for the TV? Because apparently it just... Anything can be yeah, a blanket. Yeah, anything can be a blanket. I don't know. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to dig into this a little bit here uh, after the show. I'm. I'm very, very confused with what. Like what's for going a on blanket there. is what a child generally has. A, a child might sleep with a blanket. Right. But now we know yes. that Jamie sleeps with a blanket. I get but the how, umbrella how term you, thing, but like, how would you define a blanket then as different from a comforter? It's smaller usually. Okay, so it's just a smaller. A comfort, uh, the duvet, the comforter covers the whole bed. To me, a blanket cannot cover the entire bed. That's the definition. Mm-hmm. A blanket can generally maybe just cover I just think, your whole you know, body like or ta- half your body. I, I I just think, I don't know. I think it refers to everything. I think you hear people talking about like, oh, you know, my partner hogs the blankets at night. They don't say, oh, he hogs the comforter at night. Hogs the covers. The covers. Mm, the hogs blanket. The covers. You don't That's say a good blanket. Point. You That's don't, a good point. You don't say a blanket. It's a good say, point, Ben. She took the covers last night. And you're like, yeah, oh, covers, yeah. sheets. Yep. Uh, that's the duvet that's an interesting point lawyer the lawyer yes you did you did uh colin in Tawasson, ask us anything my 11 year old son is going on his first sports road trip next week for baseball provincials on vancouver island uh shout out to your son colin that's awesome what was your favorite road trip or best memories of sports road trips as a young athlete so i guess he means specifically where you're competing you're traveling yes. uh, to compete for something i do remember Making trips to Vancouver Island. I mean, you get to go on the ferry. That's always exciting. But specifically playing basketball in high school, going for a tournament. And the first time we went to the island and actually won the tournament and the ride back, you know, getting to celebrate winning the tournament. It wasn't the provincials or anything. It was just one of these tournaments that right. uh, high schools organized. But still, it was the first time we had gone and won, and won one. And that, that felt pretty good. That was uh, probably the one that stands out to me. Mine's also high school basketball and ferry related, but it was the Sunshine Coast. Well, there's just something about going on What the made it this particular trip stand out was it was our grade nine team. And half of our roster also played rugby. In the weekend of this tournament on the Sunshine Coast, they were playing in the provincial finals. 
So we only had five guys for the whole tournament. So we got to play every minute. And it, and I'm including myself in this, we were not the stars of the team. A lot of our better players, a lot of our better athletes were playing rugby. So we, we weren't bad by any means, but it was certainly not the starting lineup. And we went over to the tournament and we played the whole game and we made the finals of the tournament. We ended up losing after one of our players turned his ankle in the fourth quarter. And we had to play with four guys. Oh, wow. And that was not tons of fun, but we were very proud of the performance that we had. And because it was a smaller group, you had to do the Hoosiers. The, we play still, with four guys. We did. And we, my team we, was like, on the co- my team We was only on the floor. had five guys. So when we went out for team dinners and stuff, it was a little bit more intimate. We had sure. a really funny time. Uh, and it's, it's funny to look back, actually, because while those guys who played rugby together had a special connection as well. It, did, it didn't create a rift, but when they came back to the basketball team, they felt like they really missed they out were, on something because we had so much fun on this trip, and we played really well. We exceeded our own expectations yeah. that through the rest of the season, it was sort of like... You guys were like making inside jokes. And yeah. Like, oh, you weren't on that trip. You, you weren't missed on that, that trip. trip. You, you wouldn't know. You, you had to be there. For those of us who were on the trip, that was, um, that was, really, that was really fun. Uh, that's a good answer. I enjoyed that answer. Uh, we're split, by the way, in the inbox. Bortz and Langley says, blanket is an umbrella term. Uh, Chef Swagger from Hell's Kitchen says, a blanket is thinner and only typically covers a portion of your body. A comforter is thick. That's that's Chef Swagger's uh, uh, choice of words. Thick, T-H-I-C-C. Uh, we'll leave it there, because why not? What a note to end the week on. Shout out to my guy, Izzy. Two weeks in the morning show. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, you uh, made it easy, buddy. We, Always oh, fun. Well, I don't know about that, but thank you. We are back on... Also, shout out to Ben for putting in a shift after putting in a shift literally last night at the station. We're back on Tuesday. We have Monday off. Enjoy the long weekend. It'll be me and Randeep on Tuesday on Halford & Broth right here on Sportsnet 650.